Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a sports nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens, strength coach, Highland Games athlete, powerlifter, and just all-around amazing person that is not the hugest fan of mushroom jerky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, uh, creator of the Flex Diet Certification, associate professor at the Kerrig Institute, and I'll be teaching again for Rocky Mountain University in a couple weeks. Is that um, all online? Yeah, it's all online. Yeah, so yeah, you don't have the problems, some of the problems I'm going to face here. Yeah, some of the Kerrig stuff is in person, but it's such a shit show now, no one knows what's going on, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, everybody, we are going to revisit mass building techniques. We're going to offer our favorite mass building techniques per body part. So movements, maybe a rep range or a, the type of rep, you know, do we like negatives, like eccentric work, whatever it is. Just a little fun rundown, basically body part by body part of our favorite ways to, uh, to get huge. Uh, I have a male. Uh, that leads to a little bit of like science here. And then we have some science in the news, which is also about muscle growth because we're thematic here. We're professionals. Uh, this is from Chris. He says, hope all is well with everyone. My friend who is a CSCS sent this to me. It was an interesting read and I wasn't aware of most of it. I figured you and Dr. Nelson may find it interesting as well. And it may rate a mention on the first part of the show. And then he sent me an article about boron okay and i'm going to get to this in just a minute the article he sent uh was by a lara pizomo and i don't even recognize one of these credentials looks like maybe licensed massage therapist and some other things um in my opinion the article is written a little bit less than neutral which tells me it's not purely from a kind of a, a science journal but it may be it may be maybe it's just a got a positive slant Anyway, so it's about boron, and we're going to get to that. But first, then he um, he talks about a little bit his history with the show. He says, still listening to every episode after seven years, and I still can't wait for the next one. You guys have done an immense service to our community. I've learned more from y'all than I did from my CSCS and all my research. I know I've said this in the past, but I went from weighing 180 to now weighing 260, doing exactly wow. what you all said. 
So he's sort of on the Iron Radio program of size. There you go. Um, I still haven't beaten Phil's 500-pound deadlift for 15 reps in that video. There you go. But at the end of my last cycle, I pulled 560 for a 10. Oh, shit, that's That's good. good. He's not playing games. Yeah. No. Um, He said, albeit it was an 18-inch pull, I compete in strongman thanks to you guys, plus I'm rehabbing my spine. There you go. Uh, at, good. at 47, with three crushed lumbar discs, I look for a Sweet. huge win. Yeah, just scarred and, and not, yeah. uh, not a noob. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> Loving it. That's awesome. My eye is still set on at least matching the mighty fill. Please keep there it up. Goes. I can't thank you all enough for the impact you've made on my lifting, my education, and my life. Can't wait to hear later what my friends talk about this week. Take care and stay safe, Chris. Yeah, that's awesome. So, oh, that's so nice. It that is a good email. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, here are a, a couple of real quick excerpts from his uh, the article that he was mentioning about boron. I have really mixed thoughts about boron, Chris. Um, I'll mm. I'll tell you why in a minute. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, but it says the trace mineral boron is a micronutrient with diverse roles in metabolism. Um, things like growth and maintenance of bone, wound healing. That's actually one of the ones that interests me the most. Um, impacts on the use of estrogen and testosterone in the body. That's actually what concerns me. Uh, reduced levels of inflammatory biomarkers like C-reactive protein or tumor necrosis factor alpha. You know, things like that. And it just goes down a big list. It's I'm reading this in a very neutral way, but it has a lot of words in here like important and beneficial and and it's the kind of stuff that I don't normally see in a science article. Um, but, you know, it's not like it's an ad per se. Um, anyway, I actually got into a discussion about this a uh, mm, year and a half ago. Uh, so summer of 2018, I had somebody ask me about boron. This was – I just pulled up a, a couple of random things. So, Chris, I'm just going to offer you some quotes about this because, yeah, boron's an interesting micronutrient, but – um, what came up uh, in 2018 was basically worries about reproductive harm, um, sperm damage and, you know, sperm motility and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, at the time, I'm, I just literally printed this off because I already did the homework. So I just, uh, it says a 1997 expert committee report by Jay Moore, M-O-O-R-E, stated that dietary exposure to boron for an adult typically ranges from 0.25 to 3.1 milligrams of boron per day with an average intake of 1.5 milligrams of boron per day. Individuals who also use bodybuilding supplements may have a total daily boron intake of 7.5 milligrams. So literally like double the upper end. Well, because you're supplementing it. Um, The concerns about boron in reproduction stemmed from a lot of like occupational exposures So it says occupational exposure to boron is mainly through inhalation of borate-containing dust uh, during mining and manufacturing processes. And you can read about that in uh, Reproduction Toxicology, 1997. You can find that on Medline. Um, Here's an excerpt from the National Library of Medicine. Boric acid and sodium borates have been considered as being, quote, toxic to reproduction and development, close quote following results of animal studies with high doses. And I think that's the key. It's the real high doses. Um, Experimentally, 
uh, a Noel, no observable adverse effect level of 17.5 milligrams per kg of body weight per day, so enormous the dose, has been identified for the male reproductive effects of boron in multi-generational studies of rats. Uh, and it says a Noel for the development it was also identified uh, at 9.6 milligrams per kg body weight per day. So that's per kg. So that's way, way above what most human exposures are going to be, even if you supplement. But again, the concern, let's see if I can't just pan down here and skip through some of this. There was a study done in Banderma, Turkey, and they were concerned about occupational exposures uh, let's see, related to this, unfavorable effects of boron exposure on the reproductive toxicity indicators, like the concentration, motility, morphology of the sperm cells, and blood levels of FSH, LH, right, luteinizing hormone, and total testosterone were not observed in these workers. So they, they didn't see problems in these workers based on their exposures. And again, very high doses in rats. It looks like it messes with your reproductive ability. So it's just controversial, I think, because it's a dose-related thing. It's whether or not you're getting it, you know, in a cloud. If, if you're – there's even concern about it getting through your skin. Um, so oftentimes, although it's, it is a, a trace mineral, it's also something that you have to be cautious about. So I didn't read that whole paper, Chris, and whether or not there was also some cautionary language in there. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't plan to have any more kids. So maybe it's a moot point for me, like, you know, if I have low sperm motility or something, I don't know. Um, but it, I would also look into some of the concerns about the reproductive harm uh, of high doses. And just so you understand the, the full picture of that. And again, that, that might have been in that article. I didn't see it. But boron is interesting stuff. But I think like anything else, it doesn't mean more is better. Right. So. Uh, so thanks for the email, though. Very cool on multiple fronts. And it is worth looking into some of these things. Like I said, I'm most interested in boron and what it might do with wound healing because a lot of what, what I've seen in hospital settings with, uh, you know, zinc and vitamin C to try to help with soft tissue repair, yeah, you know, it's necessary, it's helpful, but it doesn't mean it, it accelerates the process and you don't end up with bed sores or whatever. So maybe it's something uh, we, we should continue to be looked into there, at least on some levels. The next one is uh, mice getting huge. Gene therapy in mice builds muscle and reduces fat. Uh, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be transparent here with everybody. Um, uh, Mike and Phil and I were laughing about this a little bit off air because mm -hmm. watch everybody jump on this. It, it, could this be a return to myostatin inhibitor supplements? If you're so young you don't remember that, um, mm -hmm. Mike, you said it best. We're right on schedule <laughs> generationally, right, for a, to revisit. Yep. Revisit stuff that seems tired to us old guys. Um, but this research is legitimate. I just don't want you to think that you can swallow a dietary supplement pill and get this effect. This is straight up gene transfection therapy stuff. This is from Wash U School of Medicine. I got this through eurekaalert.org. Um, it says, building muscle mass and strength can take many months. Uh, that's an understatement. Uh <laughs> And be difficult in the face of joint pain from osteoarthritis. Now, that's, I think, what caught my eye because that's sort of what I deal with right now. A new study in mice at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis suggests gene therapy uh, may help patients that have osteoarthritis and loss of muscle tissue, essentially. 
the research shows that the gene therapy helped build significant muscle mass quickly and reduce the severity of osteoarthritis in the mice, even though they didn't exercise more. Uh, the therapy also staved off obesity, even when the mice ate an extremely high-fat diet. The study was published in uh, the journal Science Advances. Let's see. It says senior investigator Farshid Gwilak, G-U-I-L-A-K. He said, we've identified here a way to use gene therapy to build muscle quickly. It had a profound effect in the mice and kept their weight in check. Uh, Gwilak and his research team gave it an uh, let's see, eight-week-old mice, a single injection of a virus carrying a gene called folostatin. The gene works to block the activity of a protein in muscle that keeps muscle growth in check. This enabled the mice to gain significant muscle mass without exercising more than usual. And again, more than usual, not, not no exercise. Yeah. Anyway, the muscle mass of these super mice more than doubled, and their strength nearly doubled. Mm. So, see, I thought that would get Phil. Like, I'm looking at the size yeah. one. <laughs> Phil looks at the strength. Imagine Phil doubling your deadlift, man. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Yeah. That'd be good. Uh, it could be good. The mice also had less cartilage damage related to osteoarthritis and fewer metabolic problems. Uh, in fact, I looked at some other papers here. Let me just point out quickly from – just trying to do my homework here for you guys. In an article by Arlene Weintraub – just on it, this is just posted on the fiercebiotech.com site. She gave some gory details here. Like the team discovered that the gene therapy promoted a beijing of white fat. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, you can speak to that in, a, in just a sec here about why that's good. Um, also, this is, they say this approach is distinctive in that it focuses on building muscle, sort of in combination with repairing, you know, joint damage and, and, and body fatness. So normally you don't think about massive muscle building and then fat burning at the same time. Um, Anyway, so uh, let's see. One worry, and Mike, you've actually brought this up before. One worry was that some of the muscle growth prompted by the gene therapy might be harmful. For example, the heart is a muscle, and we can't forget that. Um, It says, but in these mice, heart function actually improved. So interesting, like maybe the, the cardiac muscle, like cardiac hypertrophy is not a problem. Guilac said something like this could take years to develop. I'm, I'm sure he's referring to drug development, but we're excited about the prospects. And then lastly here, I pulled the, the, the real paper. It's entitled Gene Therapy for Folostatin Mitigates Systemic Metabolic Inflammation and Post-Traumatic Arthritis in High-Fat Diet-Induced Obesity. It's by Tang and colleagues. Again, that senior author is Guilac. Just quick quote here. Folostatin a protein that binds myostatin and activin may have the potential to enhance muscle formation while inhibiting inflammation. That just sounds good. Here we hypothesize that adeno-associated virus 9, AAV9, delivery of folostatin enhances muscle formation and mitigates metabolic inflammation and knee osteoarthritis caused by high-fat diet in mice. Regardless of diet, mice receiving the FST gene therapy were protected from post-traumatic osteoarthritis and bone remodeling-induced joint injury. So looks really cool how they're kind of combining this, uh, you know, one, one gene, basically injection, and you end up with more muscles and less cartilage damage and less osteoarthritis damage. 
sounds very interesting. But Mike, I thought maybe you could uh, share like what the one article just says, oh, the mice got leaner. I like how the other one talked about the beijing of white fat. Maybe some thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah. So beijing of white fat is where you're adding more mitochondria to it. And these have kind of an uncoupling effect. So you're burning more energy to produce heat and not just necessarily ATP. So in theory, you have more what's called feudal cycling, where you're just burning through a lot of excess energy. Um, there's obviously been some <clears throat> drugs that have done this, right? 2,4-dinitrophenyl EMP was one of them, which yeah, not recommended at all because <laughs> massive side effects and you can take so much you'll just literally overheat and cook yourself from the inside out crazy the yeah the lethal dose on it compared to the effective dose is they're pretty darn close so your therapeutic window on that's not real big so if you screw it up you're dead <laughs> <laughs> but the the idea is interesting there's been uh kind of i say renewed interest in this from the mitochondrial standpoint too from pharmaceutical companies that maybe if we can do this it'll help with uh, a lot of diseases and of course right you think a lot of diseases are related to humans just eating too many calories so if there's a way they can just burn off a lot of those calories by not working that may be one way so having more beige fat or fat that's on its way to becoming more brown fat which you've probably heard of is a good thing right on yeah I remember when I first learned about it, I, I was told in babies and in certain animals, it's a yeah. big deal. In adult humans, it's less of a big deal. I mean, the amount of brown fat you might have to activate. There's been some suggestions, you know, like between your shoulder blades and like there's little depots of it around the body. But yeah, if you can start beijing all that white regular fat and make it more metabolically active, you get all kinds of cool stuff. Anti-inflammatory and I don't know, triglyceride reduction or glucose disposal. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, if anyone's listening in the Twin Cities area that I can get a PET scan to do this and then I'll jump in my freezer full of cold water more often, let me know. <laughs> That'd be badass, yeah. Like, look at yeah. all that brown fat. Yeah, because I think, yeah, cold will activate brown adipose tissue. That's not really debatable. Like, your point is correct, Monty, that we just don't know if you have enough of it to do anything. Um, but maybe you're making your fat tissue more metabolically healthy by cold exposure and some other things that, that in theory would have a lot of profound health effects, right? Cause a lot right. of people have very dysfunctional adipose tissue. It's just not right. working and sending all these crazy signals. And that's really your buffer for excess calories. So if people are eating high amounts of calories, your body's got to shove it somewhere and once those fat cells get overstuffed, they start to run into all sorts of issues, and it backs up as high triglycerides and insulin sensitivity, and mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff just goes off the rails. So let me ask you, if you could double the amount of brown fat you have, if you could beige some of your white fat, would you go for it? Go for it? Yeah, as long as there wasn't any negative effects from whatever drug or what it was. I mean, mm -hmm. at least stuff like cold therapy and that things in that area, we kind of know what the downsides are, so I don't feel too crazy about doing that um i don't know pharmaceuticals i'm just one of those weird kind of scaredy cats i guess we always find that there's something they're doing that we didn't know about um, but i think if you could do it when you know it was safe i don't really see what would be the the downsides from it no i'm tempted myself let, let me spin this one to phil uh before we we go to break what would you do phil and this is fun but this i'm, I'm blindsiding phil everybody but 
Um, <laughs> he's used to it. If you doubled your strength, if you took a single injection of this <laughs> gene, what would – and you knew it, right? You and the people in your gym knew it. What would you do in the next year? Would you do anything with it? Like – Oh, I'd break all the records. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would own it. Yeah. You know? So, like, what yeah. would be the plan? Where? What would we, uh, would you have a plan that you'd have to slap together? Like, oh my god, I'm going to dominate. I would probably just because it annoys me seeing some of these guys that come out and like break the record by five pounds and then wait for it to be broken and then they break. I'd just go out and crush the record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Screw this five pound thing. I'm just like, let's put it on there and let's set something nobody can touch. Yeah. You know, that would be the, give me one shot at it and just, you know, yeah. 600 kilo deadlift. Right. <laughs> you know, just top, <laughs> top Thor by a hundred kilos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, it'd almost be funny to – I mean, you don't want to insult any one person yet, but you walk in and you, you point at somebody like, who's the best one here? Whatever he does, put 100 kilos more on it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Just come in there and oh, – I wish one of you was taken second because I'm That's here. right. <laughs> Not even up for uh, debate. Oh, man, that would be – yeah. I mean, well, the, the interesting thing about this is like most anabolics, you know, if, if I'm correct, they don't help your cartilage at all. And a lot of them have negative side effects on cartilage and connective tissue. Yeah. So yeah. something that drastically increases muscle tissue while also like at least saving cartilage. I know. Holy crap. See, yeah, yeah that's a big one. You know what? This this is almost the fountain of youth for the beat yes. up middle aged lifter, right? Yeah. yeah. Up meathead. Right. Oh. Right. You're scarred up. Your joints are scarred up, and it's going to rejuvenate you. Because I mean, what becomes the weak link? Your joints. You know. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, even at my age, you know, I'll be, I'll be 45. And, like, I'm to that point where it's like, man, I'm really not – I'm trying to make sure I keep as much muscle as I have, not put a bunch more on. Right, yeah. Like, I'm still getting stronger, but I'm not really getting noticeably bigger. <laughs> oh, it's just not happening anymore. Right, um, yeah. You know, I'm just – I'm fighting that battle to not go backwards. So, yeah, it'd be right awesome on. to get jacked. I think it's fun to go in, yeah, just blow the doors. You know, I remember an old video, and I don't know if somebody can send it or if they remember this better than I do, but I, it was, I was watching a – it was a strongman event, and people were struggling with uh, one of the events, and Kaz – everybody was struggling with a single, a single rep of this squat-type activity, and I, I don't know enough about strongman, so I sound ignorant, but whatever. Uh, and – he did it once, and then he looked around and did it twice more. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God. Like, everybody, like, when you say, like, who's second, you know, everybody's just neutered. I think everybody's testosterone levels dropped, like, 10 points just yeah. just watching. He, he did it, and then he goes, boom, boom, like, twice more. And I'm like, okay, it's over. Yeah. So That's like that awesome video of Captain Kirk where he did a thousand yeah. level. He takes it for one. He's like, I want two. And takes yeah. it for, right. I just want to hold it for a while. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah. When we had uh, Captain Kirk and Marty on, yeah, a lot of people liked that episode. There's a lot of people checking that one out. Because, yeah, people see that. They respect that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And he made it look pretty damn easy, too. Yes. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, getting huge, right? Um, Not with gene therapy, but just with training. Uh, What are our favorite movements and techniques, body part by body part? And we'll see you in a minute. 
Claudia, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text the Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it, do it now! Okay, listeners, after more than a decade of joining us on the podcast Airwaves, you can now also become viewers on YouTube. This is not our usual simple backup of the audio show, but rather a growing body of video taste tests covering various foods of interest to nutrition enthusiasts, bodybuilders, and powerlifters. From within YouTube, simply search for Iron Radio Taste Test or Nutrition Radio Taste Test. In about 15 minutes, we cover taste and texture similar to other products, uh, usefulness to the co-hosts, and whether we would recommend the product to certain clients. You may even want to watch our podcast feed or Facebook group for which products are coming down the pike so you can taste test them with us. Join us for this new monthly project. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, folks, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we're going to run down body part by body part mass building techniques, our favorites. Let's start with legs, Phil. Uh, if you were just hell bent on hypertrophy, like what's something a favorite for your? I guess with, in your case, it could be for yourself or your clients. You know, yeah. um, but what do you like for just thigh size? Time under tension squats or, or tempo controlled, you know, okay, seem to really work. Like uh, four one four tempo, you know, where you're really slowing things down, and that tends to really tear things up. So, mm -hmm. especially in an athlete like the ones I deal with that are mostly interested in power generation, so we're always going as fast as we can. It's a pretty big shock to the body to slow down, and you know, our average set takes less than a second. You know, and now we've stretched that out to freaking nine seconds, mm -hmm. and uh, th that seems to work pretty good. That and some of the other things, like I'll have them do. It, it's just another way of getting more time under tension. A lot of the things I do: one and a half squats, pause squats, 
you yep. know, those things. It's just we're spending more time moving under that load. So that would be my go-to right there. About how many reps uh, is your favorite in that kind of scenario? Oh, you, we start getting up into the right around the total of 30 rep range. Okay, total dose, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right in there. I mean, some of the if it, if I'm going longer, that might drop into the t- around twenty or so. If we're getting some, you know, depending on how much time I'm, I'm mm-hmm. having them slow down the tempo. So yeah, but usually right around thirty reps total. So that could be broken down like listeners could break that down five sets of six or yeah uh, or whatever. whatever six sets five whatever six yeah. sets of five yeah yeah, yeah generally generally i just have my my what i've seen the most i really don't care and that's what i tell people right yeah i just want the 30 done but when it comes down to brass tacks the best progress i've seen out of stuff like that is where generally we push that first set as far as we can without failing so let's say they hit 12 or whatever and then on the last 18 you just kind of chunk it up five, five, four, or whatever, you know. Oh, I uh, see. Right. But that first set, for some reason, if you really kick it in gear with that, get everything, you know, blown up and, you know, be bulging full of muscle or blood. And yep. then we just break those rest of those sets down. But that one hard, hard set and then just get the rest of it. That's sweet. That's a nice little technique. Yeah. And then they, they piecemeal after that first brutal set. Yeah. You just do that one brutal set and then just, I, it doesn't matter to me. After that, I do singles if you want. Just get yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, yeah, that's one of the things that I think um, I learned from you early on was your, you really have a predilection. And I, I mean, obviously, I know other people do this too. We have to be careful on this show not to create the weeder principles for ourselves, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> but total dose, looking at the total number of reps as a dose of iron, like a volume dose and not caring as much about how many sets. That's just, that's just a really good way to think about it. I think, uh, Mike, what about you? Like massive thigh grow, leg hypertrophy? I would actually go with, uh, it, again, it depends on the athlete, but if it's just general, I would actually go with like a, a leg press that feels good to you. Like some people get on a leg press and you're like, oh my God, no matter where I put my legs or my feet, my knees hurt. Like, so there's always different angles and stuff like that. But one that just, you know, feels pretty good. You're not going to get blinding joint pain from it. And then just do pretty high volume like i'm not a big fan of pyramids in general but for something Mm -hmm. like this i would make an argument of just doing a a pyramid type up keeping the reps relatively high but just keep adding more and more weight to get to a a top set of 12 15 reps and then if you want to get crazy and do a drop set at the end or you know kind of some intensity technique i think that can work and then i would actually Pair that with is slowly increasing on the other days uh, concentric work that I guess people would consider more cardio, but I'm thinking either like a rower or a bike and then just start off pretty light and then just do some type of intensity work with that. So you're getting concentric movement only. You're not getting much eccentric, but you're getting higher force generation that you can probably just recover with pretty easily, right? So if you look at especially like sprint cyclists. I mean, they have just massive thighs, right? So they're doing a ton of volume all the time, but oddly not much eccentric work either. So I found if you pair something like that, like the amount of soreness you get is dramatically less than if you just do it and sit around for four days. So just to clarify the concentric stuff, the explosive cardio type stuff, that'd be the next day. 
Yeah, it'd be the next day mm-hmm. or <clears throat> just programming it like three or four days a week, just very short sessions in the morning, like away from their normal training, mm-hmm. just to try to get more blood flow, get a little bit more volume. Easy thing I'll do is just have them do 10, 15 minutes, just simple, low intensity, and then do some type of high intensity interval at the end, you know, only 30, 90 seconds, maybe a minute or two, depending on their level. Mm-hmm. So you get some higher tension at the end, but it's not enough to really wreck you and you get some movement in, some blood flow too. Right. And then again, really borrowing from those other example sports like cycling or speed skating and those guys, right? Because they're so, yeah. so massive. Yeah. yeah, and it's probably just volume too, right? You're just trying to find another way to get volume in. And a lot of times if you have that equipment at home, it just makes it easier. You know, not many people have a leg press. They can just, they're not filled. They can't just walk out in their gym and have yeah. a leg press and everything else. Right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You I, Actually, uh, I'm overlapping with you in two ways. One is, although it was it was sort of my alternate, but a leg press that fits you just right. That is gold yeah. when that happens. Bob Bonham oh, has one so nice. <laughs> strong and shapely in New York, and I'm just like, oh, my God, if I could only – I would take this home right now. Like, you know, if, yeah, I, yeah. if I was rich, I'd be like, what's the price? It's not for sale. I don't care. I need it. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could really put a lot of uh, mass on your thighs. When I was living in San Diego, I put I, – my God, I must have put well over an inch on my thighs just doing, you know, heavy, heavy leg presses. They're not a joke. They're really not a joke. No. Uh, Especially if you find the one that just feels good where you, you feel it in the muscle and not the joint. Like, I don't use leg presses a lot because I just find that after a while my knees hurt so bad, it just, I can't keep mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you find those machines once in a while where you're like, oh, this is great. You could start doing more volume with it, and you're like, oh, my knees don't hurt the next day. Wow, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. I chose actually like um, just heavy squats, like five by five. Uh, those are just really good. Yeah. Although they beat me down, I, I'm I'm not a huge person. You know, I'm five nine, and so I would tend to overdo it. So instead of putting something that might be a little bit more sane on the bar, like eighty percent, I would put, make it too heavy. And by the time I did my last set, I mean I was exhausted before I even got under the bar on set number five, right? And so yeah. I'm just ruining myself. Uh, so the other thing that I would agree with you uh, is, uh, at least historically, I used to do a l- l- sort of pyramid-type work. You know, mm-hmm. I'd do 10 reps with a lightweight, and then 8, and then 6, and then I would work up to like a set of, you know, 4 or something like that. Um, and then sometimes I would do a burnout set at the end, you know, something like that. But, uh, yeah, using sort of a 5 to 8 rep range. So you're talking about, you know, maybe 85 ish percent I, I for i know for power lifters you're like oh my god lonnie that's so sloppy but you know for b- bodybuilding purposes it's it, it's more about the volume and ballparking the the intensity like that but so yeah uh okay. squats are just low bar squats are freaking gold yeah. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing a lot of belt squat machines come back which i think is awesome because that's another way i had that second on my list if if you can find a good belt squat machine like i found a couple that are good and I was kind of shocked. It was harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be pretty easy, but it was harder than I thought. Maybe just because I'm not used to it at all. Um, but if you can find a good belt squat machine, that I think you can do a lot more frequency with that too. Yeah. Right on. Uh, next up, body part, back. Phil, favorite back. mass mass techniques for back. Oh, God. <clears throat> Hit the... I think with back, I'd go with heavy rows. I mean, we do so much. We do a lot of volume all the time. So it tends to uh, 
you know, we get used to that. So it tends to, if we go through cycles of pushing really heavy stuff, because we train, we train back like a bodybuilder. Um, you know, as far as volume and things like that, it's not a, it's not a competition move for us. We're just looking for volume. And so it seems like when we take times to, uh, you know, really push things heavy, multiple sets of lower reps, we, we tend to see some back growth out of it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, it could be just a byproduct of, uh, we're doing something different than we normally do. So you got this new stimulus. Yeah. So, and it I'll probably work vice versa. If we always did heavy stuff to, to really, you know, let's do a hundred reps. Uh, cause that's a lot of what I'll do. I'll be like, okay, you're doing a hundred reps rows. Well, how much weight? I don't care. Just put some freaking weight on the bar and do a hundred, a hundred reps. You're going to get volume in, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So when we, when we really push and do some like, you know, heavy cheated bent over rows and things like that, where you get a little body English to them and stuff. Um, I tend to see my people's, my men and women, their, their upper backs kind of blow up. Right. I wonder if that's unique to power lifters because I th- I'm sure a lot of people would say deadlifts are, are big back builders. Uh, and I think you're, since you're saying your guys already deadlift regularly, let's uh, not, let's not overlook a staple oh, movement yeah. like and a barbell row. That's an understated one. I think a lot of people just don't understand how much upper back growth you'll get out of the heavy deadlifts. Oh, yeah. Because there was a time there where I just couldn't do chins, and I just deadlifted a bunch, and my freaking lats blew up. And, like, any time I'm in a competition, and that's when I pull a really hard max deadlift. Like, I, the longest one I pulled was, like, 16 seconds long. Oh, my God. And oh. It was, it's stupid. But I, I blow <laughs> blood vessels. I blow blood vessels in my lats is where I blow them. It's not my uh, hamstrings, not my quads. My lats get covered with all these little micro tears. Wow. So, interesting. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, if you're not doing that, then you're just not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> lats, when I when, I don't pull real heavy all the time, but when if I try to pull heavy, and for me, that's, yeah. I mean, literally when I start, if you know, like in the 300s, I, I just don't do that much. I, I'm afraid to blow out my back completely. You know what I mean? At yeah. my age. But the point is, yeah, my lats actually get hurt or sore or strained slightly. Oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, I didn't think, you know, you, a lot of people are like, oh, is, isn't that more like traps and low back? Or like, I don't know. I feel it. My lats too, man. You can't, you can't overlook that, you know. Yeah, and for, for me with traps, the best thing I've found for traps is not doing shrugs. Not, it's just like heavy farmer's walks. You, yeah. Uh, you Oh, yeah. Sore. Just from that, oh, that yeah. holding that move, just holding that weight for time. It yeah. just wrecks your traps. Yes. So. I wish I discovered that like 10 years, 20 years before I did because I'm like, yeah. oh, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Um, Mike, a back favorite mass builder? Yeah. I mean, assuming that you're doing deadlifts and, you know, farmer's walks, I think, are highly underrated, especially. I mean, if you have a trap bar, you can do them with that. I think that's fine. But if you can get the independent handles, I think it's mm-hmm. so much better. It just... It just feels completely different. Um, but if I had to pick just a standard movement that people probably have access to, assuming they're deadlifting already, I'd go with a split stance, uh, one-arm dumbbell row. So instead of putting your knee up on the bench, just put your foot next to the bench and split your stance out. If you want to put your hand on the bench for support, that's fine. I just think as it gets heavier, having your knee on the bench is just not super stable. I think it's going to limit your load. Yep. And then progression over time is i like people to have the scapula come all the way out at the bottom i mean obviously don't do this if you haven't done it that way in a while but i really want that scapula to come all the way out at the bottom and then just pull all the way back 
And once you get used to that full range of motion, I find that your shoulders feel a lot better and you can you can go pretty heavy with that. And again, if you haven't done it that way, don't start super heavy because it's going to be a recipe for disaster. That's but, good advice, yeah. Yeah, and then other than that, just, I mean, I've had people, if they're lifting four or five days a week, I've had them do some back work every day, four to five days a week, you know, more advanced people. And it, you feel sore and you feel beat up for a while, but I just find that progress is so much faster and you can just kind of get away with it. So I'll take a huge amount of volume and just they'll do some type of back work literally like every day they're in the gym and that seems to work pretty good. Yeah, I um, I think because the back is so complex, I mean, you, we look at origins insertions yeah. and of tra- like traps. I always think basically traps and the rhomboids beneath up top and then lats, you know, mid-back kind of thing. And you're right. So th- why not like do slightly different things? Like you could do farmer walks, uh, farmer's carries or something one day and then do your your heavy dumbbell rows and really focus on the lat, you know, and pulling it like into your hip and getting that stretch mm-hmm. at the bottom and all that. And then you're, those are actually kind of – those aren't exactly the same muscle groups. You know, you're talking about big, no. big-ass traps versus big lats. Yeah, your back's really complex. You, you're right. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. You could probably just, you know, focus on different parts of your back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like your biceps where you basically have one one main player, you know. Yeah, Major and then we'll player. do like a kind of a pull-up-y focus day and then like a pulling focus day, whether it's a cable pull or bent over row, metals row, that kind of stuff. So usually I'll put like the dumbbell rows opposite of the bench press. So I'll just do them alternating, and that may be all they do for back that day, maybe one other accessory one. And then I'll come back again a few days later, and they can do something similar, even though it looks like it's a similar movement. It just feels different, you know, using a cable or some other slight tweak to it. Yeah. In fact, that was my number one. Uh, over the years, I've just had an absolute love affair with heavy seated cable rows. I yeah. just they wreck my mid back in a way that nothing else does. I mean, I get sore. I grow like a weed when I do that. In fact, seated cable rows and low rack pulls are, yeah. are were the way that it, when I was I was in my forties, I got my upper back mid and upper back were real thick. You know, like, I mean, for me, I feel like you could put, like, your fingers against my spine and my my lats and would just come straight off my spine. Like, they're just thicker. You know, mm-hmm. they were they were deeper when I would do that kind of stuff. I just love, you know, like a four sets of eight with, like, a nice heavy load. Um, yeah, seated cable rows, man. Um, I will say the most wrecked I've been in recent years, I went to Colorado and trained with uh, – Oh God, Dave Lipson. Oh, so, Camille? Camille's husband. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, "We're gonna go do a back workout." And, oh God. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, and lots of stuff that like I had never done. He has a personal trainer that helps him train for bodybuilding, and like we did set after set of, you know, different machines like hammer strength rows, and and a lot of it was like forced negatives, and oh, where where the trainer would like he would. Okay, he'd push on it while we're trying to pull, and oh man, I was I, like I thought I had rhabdo over the lats for a, a week and a half. I was just like, oh my god, oh my god. And like I said, but then I I think a lot of it is just if you want to grow, get out of your comfort zone and do yeah do the opposite of you've been doing. If you've always been going heavy, let's do some sets of twenty plus. You know, if you've been just a barbell, grab a dumbbell and do 100 reps. Mm-hmm. You know, something you haven't been doing. Mm-hmm. So. You know what you said about, like, um, 
the mm. extra, like you get a training partner to make the eccentric even oh. worse. You know, like you horrible. can really yeah. abuse a muscle group with yeah, like partner yeah. eccentric work. Oh yeah, it was horrible, but gotta be yeah, careful it though. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a big advantage of machines too. Like my favorite is the, the hammer strength, the ISO high row. Um, Because you get that massive stretch position overhead. Um, And you can go to failure and not really worry about pulling your back or doing something really stupid, right? I mean, you can go a lot harder, per se, in terms Mm -hmm. of rating a perceived exertion without feeling like you're going to be unsafe, you know, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, has an advantage if that's your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Phil said, I mean, that's the pro bodybuilder approach, you know, is yeah. lots of variety. Yeah, lots of strip sets, you know, okay, start doing your pull-downs, and they're on each side of the plate, pulling plates off, oh. as you can't move. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't stop, and yeah. you get down to, like, there's tens on the bar, and you're yeah. like, I can't do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can see the so, appeal to a lot of aggressive yeah. young people, guys and gals, you know, you're real oh, aggressive yeah. bodybuilding training, no wonder it appeals like it does, yeah. you know, because it's, it's yeah. devastating. Um. Yes. um Last major uh, muscle group, I mean, at least as far as uh, the, the first three here anyway, uh, chest, Phil. Massive chest. What's your best technique? Well, I'm not going to lie. I, like, have my chest grows just by looking at, at oh. weights. Everybody's always pissed at me. Like, you have a huge chest. How much you bench? Nah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we've been doing a... I've had a lot of luck recently with, again, going outside of the box. Like, usually our goal when we're benching and things like that is to warm up just enough to get ready, you know, for our work sets. So I've changed it up and been doing some pre-exhaust stuff. Like, I'll hit 50 reps with the bar, 30 reps with 135, you know, a crap ton of reps before we get up close to heavy weight. And holy crap, it'll, you know, it's a ton of volume and... By the time you get to that working sets, what normally is not heavy for you is is heavy. Yeah, and yeah. So we're getting a ton of extra volume, and you're all blown up before you ever get there. So, you know, your muscles are all engorged with blood, and then it's like, okay, well, now i got to go heavy. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. that seems to be working a lot uh, for my people. Um, and it's just it's something, like I said, totally different, but uh, a ton of volume in lower. And then uh, so we'll do like an ascending, descending ladder. Where, where we do a ton of volume going up, hit your few work sets, and then drop back down. You know, strip of twenty five, do more. Strip of twenty five, do more. Interesting. Uh, yeah, going back to more bodybuilding type stuff. Yeah. So it's it's all about the volume, man. Really, uh, to get yeah. to get bigger. Yeah. So. If to me, for me, it's negatives and volume. Right. That's yep. just pure growth. Yep. A lot of what you're saying reminds me. I think it was Bob uh, Kennedy, uh, and the whole pre-exhaust technique. I think is what mm-hmm. he called it. You know, like yeah, yep. get it all pumped up before you even do the heavy stuff um i'll tell you orthopedically it feels good too like my heavier sets feel better I'm, i feel weaker because i'm half wore out but <laughs> like my joints are very very warmed up uh you know I, I, again i wouldn't do it for a meet like i'm not going to go in for a meet and let me let me hit 70 at 135 real quick right <laughs> right but uh but man it, it like my shoulder, which I have a bad shoulder. I mean, it feels good. So I do what I can there. You know, I may do that with, uh, I mean, this sounds brutal, but I might try that with squats because I'm so stiff and bound up when I do that. It would be fantastic to get into the bar and feel all warm and loosey goosey, you know, like in a good way. Just get knees and everything all warm. Right on. Uh, 
Mike, massive chest, favorite technique? I'm still partial to some type of moderately heavy-ish, old-school, just dumbbell press. Um, If I had to pick, I'd go, like, with a a low incline, 20, 30 degrees, somewhere around there. Yep. Um, And the caveat is making sure people can get a a good full range of motion, which, again, may be joint or orthopedically limited. But I just think a lot of people cut the rep a little bit too short, and they may not have to. So they may have to drop the load and try to go all the way down. Again, you know, making sure you don't have pain, you're not going to injure your shoulder, that kind of stuff. Um, As a secondary movement to that, uh, I never thought I would say this, but doing bench press with your feet up on the bench press, or from the PRI world, they'll do what they call like a hamstring pullback. So you're trying to pull back a little bit to flatten your pelvis out. So you're basically trying to make your spine flat. Mm -hmm. Mechanically, that'll kind of tell me where people are limited because it's like the inverse of the powerlifting, right? You're trying to take away all their compensations to see what kind of length they can generate through the actual pressing motion. Mm -hmm. And then over time, just working them lower and lower. I'll even do that from a bottom start. So they're doing the concentric first. So I don't have to worry as much about them maybe getting into a range of motion that may not be appropriate for them. So those are kind of my two favorites. Yeah. Well, that's easy for me because mine's very similar. Slight incline, heavy dumbbell presses. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Dumbbells are great. I mean, you can get that squeeze. Yeah. And the greater range of motion. We'll use a buffalo bar for that sometimes. Oh, nice. That's the range. I've done that. You know, Mm -hmm. increase the range of motion with that. And, uh, but yeah, the stretch you get out of dumbbells can't be. Yeah. And you can go, you can go damn heavy too. You know, you really can. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, Okay, now peripheral, if we get sort of, um, you know, appendicular skeleton here, uh, arms, Phil, uh, biceps or triceps, whatever you like to address here. Mass, mm, mass, maybe. It's just heavy. Uh, barbell curls, man. I think mm-hmm. they're great. We do a lot of those, and that's easy. That's another one of those easy ones, though, where it's I literally tell them to go do 100. You know, and I, I stole that from Derek Poundstone. Like his goal was to he'd end his training sessions and do a hundred reps with a bar. You know, I think it's one of those moves where you don't have to. I think too many people probably just go too heavy, and I I found like the biceps really respond to volume and and getting a stretch in the full range of motion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, okay. that's a good one. And then uh, cable pushdowns with a rope. I like those. Those tend to really light up the triceps. But uh, that and just overhead pressing and stuff. Of course, we do all that right, anyway. Pressing, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Mike. Um, favorite thing for upper arm girth? Yeah, <clears throat> I would say one that's probably not done. Like Phil was saying, a very strict standing barbell curl. <laughs> I'll even have people seriously rotate their pelvis a little bit, so trying to make their spine a little bit more neutral, which makes it harder for them to kind of lean away from it. Um, that is what, as weird as it sounds, it's more of a full body exercise. than I think what people realize, because most people are just kind of leaning into the motion. So trying to be really strict with that. Uh, another version, um, uh, trying to remember who I got this from originally, one of the old timers, uh, drag curl. Yeah. So that's what you, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So you do a curl, but you have the barbell touch your torso the entire time. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're shifting your humerus back. So you're taking that long head of the bicep and just stretching the piss out of it, mm-hmm. which normally is just 
lit up like a Christmas tree in most people because of the computer position and the way they're at all day. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another really good one I like. And then on the tricep side, similar to Phil, I think press downs are just way overrated. Obviously, you're doing bench press, you're doing some overhead press, you're doing push-ups, that type of stuff. Um, and a lot of people just do that as a finisher, you know, even 20, 30 reps, and then just rotate handles. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe do that Monday, Wednesday, Friday as your finisher, do some light bicep stuff, do some press down, and just pick a different handle. Take three handles, so you do straight handle, maybe Monday, maybe you want to get fancy, do a overhead, um, to target the long head of the bicep because the shoulder position on Wednesday, and then you're back to just doing like a V handle press down on Friday. Right on. Yep. Um, <clears throat> just a quick note. It wasn't on my mass list, but yeah, drag curl. I first heard about drag curls by Linda Murray. You guys remember? Oh yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Like yeah. when you're when you have tendonitis or injury. Some I found that even if I was beat up in the elbows or some you know tendonitis, I could still do yeah, drag you curls. Still do them. Yeah, you could still yeah. do them. Um, yeah. so that's, they're a neat, like workaround, uh, cause it's just so different from the usual, very radial kind of circular, uh, movement that you get. Um, they keep people from cheating too. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah you can't really body English thing. You know, and yeah. Bar close. Yeah. Cause you can't swing in an arc. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, my favorite would be profanity curls. I think I've talked about them before, but you sit on a bench, slight incline, because not only it's a four count negative, right? Just sit there with dumbbells, you know, medium weight dumbbells, lean back. And not only is it negatives in the four count, but because you're leaning back, you get into like a hyper stretch. It's somewhat like what you were saying, mm -hmm. Phil, during your like pro bodybuilder workout with the yeah. forced, even more brutal than a negative. Yeah. Um, and just four count down. I call them profanity curls, of course, because by the time you're on like rep five and six, you're like, Damn it, Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know, so, yeah. um, yeah, like four sets of that, like four sets of eight with a nice medium weight. Oh my God. And don't grab a, a dumbbell that's too heavy because you'll get to like rep three. You know what I mean? Because you're doing that, you know, slow negative and, and it's extra brutal because you're in a stretch position. For for triceps, I've always been a fan of hit heads. I know or skull crushers. I know they're brutal on people's elbows sometimes, but um, I, I've always called them the squat of the upper arm. I mean, they they just they made my triceps blow up more than anything else. So, just a big fan of that kind of stuff. And I I always like to kind of superset them with a um, a press like a, just a regular finish with a press. You know what I mean? So like eight reps of of skull crushers with a whatever weight you can handle to do like eight and then just bring it to your chest. When you can't do any more of those, you can still like, you know, just press out with some basically close grip bench type movement, like with an easy bar. Um, yeah. I've done that similar, just density stuff, right? I do them from a decline. So decline, take an easy bar and then do reverse curls or straight curls after that and just alternate back and forth of those for a 10 minute block or something like that. Right. Yeah, and you know, I love to I love I do love to pair biceps and tricep work, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's where when you guys are talking about push downs with ropes and different kinds of handles, I'd love to like stack that on the end of stuff. Yeah. Vince Duran does where I heard the drag curl from. I thought of it now. <laughs> that's really old school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. old school. <laughs> Uh, but we'd be remiss if we didn't probably talk about shoulders. I, I, when I think of shoulders, I don't think just delts. I think kind of delts and traps. And I know we already talked about farmer's walks and stuff. But, Phil, do you have a favorite something for uh, a trick for deltoid or for overall shoulder mass? Well, besides just pressing. Right. I mean, See? we do a lot of pressing overhead. Right. But I'll do a lot of different plate raises, like front raises, lat raises, things like that, again, for volume. 
I really like front raises. You know, you mm-hmm. just grab what we use is bumper plates. So a mm-hmm. lot of my my smaller people just hold a twenty five pound plate, straight arms, and lift it overhead. Uh, Interesting. Or if you get stronger, you know, forty five, even bigger. You know, I suppose I got some guys that can do a hundred pound plate, um, and just wrap it out nice and slow, controlled, and mm-hmm. just you know really hammer those front delts uh, by just strictly using the shoulder to, to anchor this thing, you know, overhead. Right. It's interesting that that you're focused on front delts. When I I would always try to especially try to target rear delts because, you know, bodybuilders are always trying to get cappy deltoids, and that's why they start breaking out the synthol and all that. You see see guys with Mm -hmm. ridiculously bulgy, you know, rear delt head, and you're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, Mike, uh, shoulder mass, any thoughts? Yeah, I would say plate press is one of my favorites I use all the time, or like a pizza press. So you have a plate, but it's flat on your hand. So you're putting the hand uh, in a different position, mostly just for kind of rehab, but it feels completely different because you can't overgrip anything because your hand is open. So you'll feel a lot more in the lat and that area too for stabilizing. Um, can't go super heavy, so just high reps, 15, 20 reps is good. Um, I also like the uh, Viking press. You can get mm-hmm. a, handles from different places now and put mm-hmm. it on a power rack, and it feels really smooth. I was kind of surprised with that, and I can get away doing higher reps with that, so that's been pretty fun. I like that, too. You can lean into it and get it way, like, range of motion in your shoulders. Oh, yeah, you can go way super over forward. Head. You can and go like neutral. Stretch it out, you can yeah. Go back. So, you can, yeah. Yeah. No, we have one of those, and I've, I've loved that for volume work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've always liked freestanding military presses. Just put the bar mm-hmm. in the middle of the floor, yeah. like literally in the middle of the freaking floor, and just you know hoist it up because you're you're doing a clean to get it in position anyway. Yeah, but I well, mean, and it, it limits the amount of weight that you're going to use, I suppose. But um, as a show of strength too, I mean, there's yeah. not a lot upper body wise, man. If you can strict press a lot of weight over your head, you're strong. You're yeah. just you're strong. just strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I, in fact, I think overhead pressing is sort of that forgotten other, like fourth power lifter, like movement. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you want to show that yeah. you're just um, brutal, you know, just punch a bunch of weight over straight up. Yep. Um, like what was that story about? Uh, oh God, who was it? Um, the guy who dug the hole and squatted in it. Um, old time strong man. Oh. Um... Ah, I can picture his face now. Yeah. Uh, Paul, wasn't it? Paul Anderson, yeah. Anderson. So Paul Anderson walked in gulps, <laughs> and some guys were squatting like 405, and he's asking if he could work in, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> so he goes up and starts pressing it. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> well, that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. <nice. sighs> so, yeah. I you know, leave. Um, yeah. This this makes me sound again my bias of Mike is he's always trying these you know different angles and, and supinations and you know things like this to get get things to feel just right. But I I like Arnold presses a lot because um, my shoulders right. won't have like traditional like dumbbell you know overhead presses. But if I can just supinate and bring them down to the front while I'm doing it, mm-hmm. they, they don't bother my shoulders and I can you know I can comfortably overhead press. And you know honorable mention I love. This sort of to what you guys were saying about safety and using machines. A Smith machine is not a wussy piece of equipment necessarily, you know. And I like to do military presses, just seated military presses with a Smith, because you can just you can absolutely ruin yourself, uh, and then just you know just flick your wrists and rack it and walk away from yeah. it. Um, 
So there's that too. I've been doing a lot more kettlebell pressing lately too for myself and clients just because I haven't been in a gym. And I forgot that the strength curve on that is similar to what you said, Lonnie, because you're kind of coming more neutral. You're bringing it down in front and then kind of mm-hmm. coming up. It, a lot of people can do that, but they can't really do it with dumbbells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't also say favorite calf movement. Some people just had naturally have calves, like Phil's chest. Some people just have calves like that. You're like, do you train them? Yeah. No. You're like, you bastard. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have anybody do calves. But yeah, no calves. I work. suppose we do it on sled pushes and things like that. Honestly, for me, that'd probably be the number one thing that kills me. Like, go push a car. And the first thing that lights up on me is my calves. You know, okay. put doing a heavy push. Yep. It's just because you're on your toes, you're leaning into it, and they're just getting hammered. So, yep. I mean, okay. yeah. uh, Mike, any thoughts about calf work? Do you ever, I mean, you must work with yeah, physique athletes, you know. I probably should do it more often than what I do personally. But uh, the, the best results I ever got was I took a summer and just said, okay, I'm going to wear very minimal shoes. So just had the Vibrams and I'm going to do as many farmer's walks as I possibly can over the course of, well, summer's three months in Minnesota. And I added almost like a half inch or three quarters of an inch to my calves just by doing that. Wow. So okay. I'm like, oh, well, just think about a heavy load, right? Because you've all seen very large mammals who have large calves. And you'll yeah. kind of see the inverse. But you don't see large mammals with tiny calves. Yeah. Like, it, just, it doesn't happen. And I think that's because you you have to move that amount of mass around all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Simulate it's... moving mass all the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you can just... You want big calves, like gain an appreciate gain, gain like eighty pounds and live that way. Yeah, that'll do yeah. for a year. And you're just they're just yeah, you're using them all day long. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you ever? I mean, look at even obese people, giant calves, yeah. oftentimes. Yes, right. exactly. Right. Be obese for a couple years and then cut down. <laughs> Phil, Phil recommends getting get real obese. Get those calves up there. <laughs> yep. Get obese and walk hills, and for two years, right? So you know, yeah. I um. I, I like donkey calf raises um, because it like profanity curls. You put your muscle already in a stretch position, you know, and then you got somebody sitting on your back yeah. and, or you got plates and people on your like sitting across you know the top of your butt there. And uh, because you're working in a stretch position, but any calf work, I always liked doing like a, a descending um, like a ramp, if you will, like 10, 8, 6, 4, you know, um, maybe sometimes rotating between seated standing calf or donkey calves. But um, for whatever reason, it's got to be like that. For me, it can't be like three sets of eight or three sets of ten. It's just got to be like you shoot through, you know, this uh, descending rep scheme. So, like literally, like you do your set, you you count to you know twenty, and then you're at it again. Count to twenty, at it again. Just because I think your calf muscles. I mean, I know the soleus is a little bit more endurance oriented than the gastroc, but um, yeah, you're just you're not given a chance to breathe, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that yeah. seems to really help. I did that with super heavy eccentrics in some article I read in a bodybuilding magazine back in the 90s when I was in doing my master's. And so I went to the gym and spent 45 minutes just doing calves. I never did anything for calves before that. And I couldn't walk right for about two and a half weeks. <laughs> it was so bad. And you forget like how much you use your calves, like going up and down stairs and just day-to-day movements. Right. It was mm-hmm. so hideous. All of a sudden they're <laughs> like, we're down here. <laughs> yeah. I can't flex my ankle. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Well, we're out of time, everybody. I know Phil's got to get off to the gym, but there are some of our favorite, you know, mass building techniques, movements, and how how we use them, what we like. Um, You know, consider them. Maybe give them a try and, and let us know what you think. 
Yep. Yep. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, Knee sleeves. Wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.